Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church Podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad and your coffee, and let's dive in. And uh, we've been in a series entitled, What Would You Do? And we're kind of winding this series down. Uh, We've been talking about gifts of the Spirit, which is kind of a topic that's really not talked about too much today. So I hope you guys have been enjoying it. If we didn't get to maybe a gift that you're interested in, uh, we're going to make a a separate video for all of the gifts. We'll put it on our website as a resource. But I want to talk to you today around the subject of open your mouth. Look at your neighbor and say, open your mouth. Look at your second choice. Say, open your mouth. Some of you guys have been told your whole life to shut it. Today, in the name of Jesus, we're going to open our mouths. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, as we dive into your word, speak to our hearts today. Lord, we didn't come here to play church, go through the motions. We came here to encounter you in a real way. So God, would you speak clearly to us? Would you uh, illuminate our hearts and our minds to your word, God? And uh, I I just pray that as we navigate this topic, that it would be super clear and super evident, Lord, of your grace toward us, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Well, listen, uh, we've been talking uh, about the gifts of the Spirit, and we're going to talk about kind of a controversial one today, so you picked a great Sunday to come to church. Uh, I know last service we had a lot of fun, and I know that God has a word for us, but, but I want to take you back uh, to New York City. There was a youth pastor Several years back, before uh, iPads and all that stuff, he was getting ready to speak in a different region, and he was late for the train. So you know in New York, if you're late for the train, you're in some big trouble. So he, he was getting his stuff together, uh, headed out, and he had his coffee in his hand. He had his little, little backpack. I don't know if he had a little man purse or if he had you know, his little backpack on, but, but he ate some bad food the night before. So all of a sudden, you know that moment, coffee mixing with the food from last night, it's not settling well with his stomach, and he, and he senses uh, that reality that I need to find a restroom quickly. And so he's making his way. He sees an Urban Outfitters, and he proceeds to, to make his way toward there. As he starts to run, he has an accident. He's running toward the door. He has a, a bit of an accident, so he's embarrassed, but he still needs to use the restroom. He doesn't want to be late for the train, so he goes in, throws his credit card on the counter, says, ma'am, I need a size 32 denim, runs to the restroom, tries to clean himself up the best that he can, but he's late. He's running behind. So he cleans up really quickly, rushes out, signs the receipt, grabs the bag, runs, makes it to the train. How many of you guys know that is a good day? when you make it to the train in New York City. And, uh, and so, so he, he's a little bit embarrassed because he's not sure if he's pleasant to be around. So he, he makes his way to, to the small little restroom on the train. And, and there he, he's not really sure what to do. He's like, I don't really want to put my pants in the garbage can because it doesn't seem sanitary. And so he opens up the window, right? Not, not fond of littering, but he opens up the window and throws his pants out the window. It's like, just dispose of them. I'm safe. I'm on the train. Everything is good. So as he looks in the bag, it's a size 32 denim, just as he requested. But as he pulls it out, it's a size 32 denim jacket and not pants. And so you got to understand, he just threw his pants out of the window. And he's looking at a nice 32 denim jacket. He's got the right thing. But he's getting ready to use it in a wrong way. 
He's a great jacket, but he proceeds like a sumo wrestler to put it around his waist, tie it around. True story. This is a true story. As he walks off the train, super embarrassed to try to go find himself some pants. How many of you guys know you can have the right thing, a good thing, but use it in a wrong way? And as we dive into the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, they get such a bad rap on so many occasions. But, but if there's one thing when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, is this, is that there's love gifts and there's word gifts. We've been talking about these. Love gifts are like administration, the gift of helps and mercy. But we talked about how these are all supernatural gifts that the Spirit of God gives us. N- not things that we're good at or like an acquired skill, not simply uh, maybe some giftedness that God has just born, that you were born with. You know, you can still use those things to glorify God too. But I'm talking about a supernatural gift that the Bible speaks about in regards to the spirit of God giving to us. And then we talked a little bit about the word gifts, gifts like teaching and encouragement. Well, today we're going to talk about a, a, a power gift And a power gift demonstrates the power, the presence, and the reality of God right in the moment. And today we're going to talk about tongues. Everybody say tongues. Now, now this is so controversial because even for some of you who grew up in church, you're like, that's it, man. I knew, I knew this church. Like, I'm never coming back here again. Uh, Because maybe you grew up and you had a weird experience. You know, one of the things we always say around here at Fountain Church is the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. But the Holy Spirit is not. Are you guys tracking with me? And, and for some of you guys are excited. You're like, finally, we're getting to the power gifts. This is great. And then others of you, you're like, oh, I'm not really sure where he's going to go with this. But, but I want to take you on a little journey because before we start to talk about the gift of tongues, anytime we're talking about spiritual gifts, we, we got to come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, or let, let me, yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is a great starting place. Uh, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a ringing gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, if I have absolute faith as to move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and exude the surrender of my body, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no account of wrongs. Love takes no pleasure in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And it goes on to say, love never fails. And this is such a beautiful passage. Normally we use this at weddings, uh, but that's kind of out of context. Uh, This is a great example of love, but what is Paul doing? He's talking about gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And in the middle of it, he like anchors us to the reality of you can be super gifted, but if you don't have great character and you're not rooted in love, it doesn't matter. In other words, Paul is always bringing us to this reality that gifts of the Spirit have to be anchored by fruit of the Spirit. We've been talking about fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control that the Bible speaks about. That that all of our, our giftedness has to first be anchored by the fruit of the Spirit. And so, so when, we look at, when we look at the gift of tongues, uh, we're going to look at Acts chapter 2. 
uh, verses one through four. We're going to start here. It says, when the day of Pentecost came. Now, can I just tell you, I wish I could preach a whole series on this, but we're winding the series down. I'd love to break down Pentecost for you, but I'll do it on a different day. It says, they, they were all together in one place. Another translation says they were meeting together in one accord. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So let me give you a little bit of backdrop. In John chapter 20, verse 20, it says that Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive my spirit, receive the Holy Spirit. And so I believe in Acts chapter 2 that the apostles and the believers that were gathering were already saved. Um, mo most would agree with me. Some would say, no, I think this is where they officially got filled with the Spirit. However you want to slice and dice it, the reality is the promised Holy Spirit that the Father promised has come. And so, so Jesus breathed on his disciples. John chapter 20, verse 22 said, receive my spirit. And then what, what, what's happening here is an outpouring of the spirit's power. It, it's a fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel that we read back uh, where it, God says that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so we see an Old Testament prophecy coming to pass right here in the beginning of the book of Acts. And this is, this is really interesting. I love how John Piper worded it. He said it like this. He says, Luke says that being baptized with the Spirit is a fulfillment of the promise of Joel 2. Wait for the promise. The promise from Joel gets fulfilled and explained in Acts 2.16 and following. The promise of Joel 2 is not new covenant promise of new birth, meaning the wording that Joel uses, it's not likely, He's talking about salvation. That's why I really believe that in John chapter 20, verse 22 is where the disciples had already received the spirit of God. But it's the covenant promise of prophetic power that you're going to speak with extraordinary power. So anytime we talk about tongues, I got I to gotta teach you a little bit today. So can you guys go on a journey with me? So we, whenever we talk about tongues, you're going to hear language in church uh, like baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, people that would say Acts chapter 2 is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what they're saying is this. They're saying that this is um, the second blessing or the outpouring of God's Spirit that gives us a greater measure of the Spirit. So, for example, uh, they would say that when, uh, when you get saved, you get a measure of God's Spirit, which it isn't really uh, too far-fetched because John chapter 3 verse 34 it says that Jesus was given the spirit without measure, right? So they say when you get saved, you have a measure of the spirit. And then when you get baptized in the, in the Holy Spirit, you get the fullness of the spirit. And so that's what a, a lot of people traditionally in the Pentecostal camp, that's where, how they would describe what's happening here in Acts chapter 2. And they would also go on to say that then there's ongoing moments where the spirit of God fills us. I, I don't have a problem with that. I would word it a little bit different. How I would describe it is, is what's happening is when you get saved, you don't have junior varsity Holy Spirit. You have varsity Holy Spirit. Like when you give your life to Jesus, put your faith in Christ, it's the Spirit of God that comes to live on the inside of us and seal us to the day of redemption. And so what I would say is happening here in uh, Acts chapter 2 is, is more along the lines of how John Piper would describe it, how the, pro the prophet Joel would describe it, is that this is an outpouring of the Spirit's power. For Christ-exalting ministry, 
for edification or encouragement to the church and for personal edification. And so, because so, when you look in the book of Ephesians, you see in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, do not be drunk with wine, but rather be filled with the Spirit. This word, it literally means, this word filled, it means a continuum. It means be being filled. So I think what's happening in Acts chapter 2 isn't just a second blessing. It's, it's really an example of life with the Spirit, that it's not just going to be Acts chapter 2. We're going to see constantly throughout the book of Acts the same thing, and they were filled with the Spirit, and they were filled with the Spirit, and they were filled with the Spirit. So once again, how I would describe it is the outpouring of the Spirit's power in our life for Christ's exalting ministry, encouragement to the body of Christ, and personal edification. I love Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I'll never forget, I was, I was in the car. I struggled with anxiety really, really bad when I first started walking with Jesus. So like my first three years of walking with the Lord, not because I was walking with the Lord, but just because I came out of a crazy life and background. God was changing my heart, but I went through a major battle of anxiety. And I remember one day, it was just like, I was just trusting God. You ever have those days where you're like, man, I just feel like I'm full of faith. I'm trusting you, God. Not really too anxious. And I remember I was sitting in my car at the time I was working for the YMCA. And I heard the spirit of God just whisper to my heart that there is joy, there is joy and peace in belief. But I had never read Romans chapter 15, verse 13 yet. I had just gotten saved. So I remember I was at the marina in San Leandro, and I opened up my Bible one day, and I was reading, and Romans chapter 15, verse 13 came up, and it says, May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you put your trust in him, that you would overflow in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, so this outpouring of the Spirit's power isn't just for Christ's exaltation or encouragement to the body of Christ, but it's also for personal edification. And, and we see all throughout the book of Acts, there's this continual reality of being filled with the Spirit. So let me demystify a couple of things or debunk a couple of things. Some people would say that if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Spirit of God. It's false. It's not biblical. It's, it's heresy. Uh, some would say that you're not baptized uh, with the Holy Spirit unless you speak in tongues. And I, I would say that that is not true either. Tongues is a evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence, but not the evidence. Are you with me? So if you've never spoken in tongues, it's not like you're not, that doesn't mean you're not filled with God's spirit. Are you tracking with me? And some would say, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. Like, you're just not saved. Not true. It's heresy. It is absolutely not true. So, so this reality of tongues being a sign, but not the sign, I think is clear throughout the book of Acts. We see Acts chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, what does he do? He proclaims the word of God and tons of people get saved. Acts chapter four, verse 31, it says that as they were praying, the place was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to preach the word of God with boldness. Acts chapter seven, it, when Stephen is being stoned, he's being killed for his faith in Christ. It says, full of the Holy Spirit, he was able to gaze into heaven and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And so, so what I'm saying is this. I'm saying that the gift of tongues is a evidence, a sign of the Holy Spirit, but it's not the sign. We see all throughout the book of Acts, there are different signs that are just confirming. I think one of the greatest signs of being filled with the Spirit is fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That is a great evidence that the Spirit of God is alive and well 
in your life. But, but let's, let's look at this. I'm going to break this down. And hopefully if you were weirded out by tongues or you never really heard it explained, hopefully this is going to break it down for you. The first thing is this. When it comes to tongues, tongues was the initial sign of the Spirit's coming just as the, as the Father had promised, declaring praise and unity. So you guys ready? Let me take you on a, a, a little lesson through Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says there are various kinds of tongues. Various kinds. So we're going to look at a few aspects of the reality of this gift of tongues today. But this word various, it means, it means offspring. It means race. It means sword. It even means species. Like there's different aspects of tongues. And so we see in Acts chapter 2 that it's a known tongue, meaning the people who, uh, the, the believers who are praying or are speaking in tongues, they don't know what they're saying, but everybody listening understands. And you're going to see that in just a minute. And so, so this first sign that the Spirit of God has come is they're speaking in a known language to people, even though it's a mystery to themselves, right? And so we hear in Acts chapter 2, verse 5 through 8, it says, Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So this is during like the Passover time. So everybody had gathered in Jerusalem. And it said, at this sound, the sound uh, at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak with his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these words being spoken or are, are, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language. So they're blown away. They're like, aren't these Galileans? But they're speaking our language. And so what's happening is God is using Christians, as he promised in the Old Testament, gave them the ability to speak in languages that they don't know but are known to the nations. Why? To bring others to God through Jesus by his people. And so, so, so I, I want you to get this picture. There's a lot of different tribes, tongues, Every nation under heaven. And you can see all of them here. I'm not going to read through all of them, but look what it says. It says, we hear them. So all of these nations, it says, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. What were they doing? They were declaring the praise of God. So all of a sudden, everybody's like, what? So here, 15 specific geographical regions are mentioned right here. And a language for each of those represented in that region. And so we see that the gift of tongues um, is, is, is a known tongue, not to the one speaking, but to the one hearing. What are they hearing? Praise and proclamation of the mighty works of God. But maybe that's where you thought it just stopped. There, there's so much more here. You guys ready for this? Anybody remember uh, the Tower of Babel? So, so this is where back in Genesis where humanity just kind of got their swag to them a little bit. And humanity just felt like, hey, God, we... We kind of got this down here without you. They kind of took that same heart of Adam. Like, God, I, I really don't need you. The interesting thing was they all shared one language. And so they're like, man, we can build ourselves a building to the heavens. Like, we're just that amazing. Like, we don't even need you to get to heaven. We just build our way. That's how awesome we are. And so, so what did God do? God shattered their unity by creating a multiplicity of languages. And it would sound like that might be harsh, but it was really God's grace so that he wouldn't completely judge them for their ignorance, right? But here on the day of Pentecost, what are we experiencing? We're experiencing a reversal of Babel. 
that God says, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm making a new family, a new language, and a new people that are going to be found in Jesus. Like, like that, that is, that's huge. Man, I think it's such a word for us today. That as there's so much division, I want you to see how the gospel brings us together and the beauty of this reality of what's happening. It definitely wasn't weird. They were praising God, and God was about to bring unity. God is reversing the Babel moment, and he's bringing us together. So it's, I love what Sam Storm says. He says, students of Scripture have also observed that Pentecost is a reversal of Babel. We read in Genesis 11 that Babel, God confused the human languages and dispersed the nations over all the face of the earth. We see precisely the reverse taking place at Pentecost. When the language barrier was overcome as a sign that God would now gather the nations together in Christ. Look at, look at this. At Babel, as some have said, earth proudly tried to ascend to heaven, while at Pentecost, heaven humbly descended on earth. And the Lord said, listen, from this time, when's the last time you read Zephaniah? Come on. Some of you guys are like, Zephaniah who? Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord speaks of a time that he will change the speech of peoples back to a pure one. He says that, that man, that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him in one accord. What we are seeing right here in Acts chapter 2 is the reversal of Babel. And then it gets even better. It gets even better. We have in, in Acts chapter 10 what happens Cornelius, a Gentile, and his household get saved. An angel appears to him, says, hey, you need to send your men to go get Peter. God gives Peter a vision to go to Cornelius' house. And Peter's like, man, I don't want to go to that dude's house. Man, he's a Gentile. I'm a Jew. We don't do that. And so he goes. Peter preaches the simple gospel. It says, in the middle of his preaching, the Spirit of God fell upon the household of Cornelius. He began to speak in tongues, and his whole household did. And then Peter's like, dude, we got some water. Let's baptize this guy. Right? So all of a sudden, now the Gentiles are part of the church. They're grafted in because they're like, you got the same spirit we got. I never saw that coming. But we in this together now. And then as persecution hit the church, the church scattered. We see Philip in Acts chapter 8, debatable text. But Acts chapter 8, Philip is preaching in Samaria. Now, you guys know Samaritans and Jews did not get along. Samaritans were half Jewish, half Gentile. They worshiped in different places. A Jew would not even go through Samaria, even if it was a shortcut. Because we just don't do that. It's too much hostility. We're going to fight. It's going to be bad. And so, so Philip is preaching in Acts chapter 8 in Samaria. They hear the gospel. They get saved. And so all of a sudden, Peter and John catch wind of this. They come to Samaria, and it says they place their hands on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, debated text because many Pentecostal kind of a background would say the Samaritans were already saved. They, they believed the word of the Lord. They, the Spirit of God filled them. They got baptized. And then when Peter and John came, they laid their hands on them. And that was like the Acts chapter 2 moment, right? The outpouring of God's Spirit. Um, I'm cool with that. You know, we're, we're going to debate this text till Jesus comes back. So, all right, if, if that's your take, that's great. Others would say that, no, that it was a unique situation in God's divine providence because there was so much hostility between the Samaritans and the Jews that if there was not affirmation from the leaders of the church in Jerusalem 
that they probably would have continued on their separate ways and not moved together as one church. And so, so then Peter and John came, and, and it was like, man, it was just a unique moment in Scripture where they laid their hands upon him, and the Spirit of God came upon them. We don't know if they spoke in tongues or whatever, but Simon the sorcerer was standing by, and he's like, man, whatever you got, Paul, like, I want some of that. Can I, like, how can I get that? Like, when I put my hands on people, I want them to do that. And so, so, but nevertheless, wherever you stand on that, it, it, my, my point is this. My point is the spirit of God was present. People are getting saved and the unity of the church. And this is awesome. God is bringing, there's no more Jew, no more Gentile, no more free, no more slave. Like he's bringing them all together saying, then we are one body. I'm creating a new family in my name. I'm creating a new family, a new people in Christ. Amazing. Come on. How many of you guys know that message is so relevant for today? God is still building his church. And so, so I want you to get the first thing is that it was a sign. It was a sign, a proclamation of praise and of unity that we see the gift of the Spirit. Now, some of you might be asking, uh, I don't know, does that still happen today? Do, do people still speak in tongues, but it's really a language they don't understand, but somebody else will? I would say yes, but it's not normative. Uh, I would say that, that it does happen in moments, but it's not normative. Let me read you a story, a uh, true story, uh, about a, a Jewish skeptic that went to the Azusa Street Revival. And he went there to, to, to pretty much disprove Christianity. He went there to pick apart the pastor's message so that he can clarify that this is all fake, you people are weird, and we need to move on with our lives. So he gets to the Azusa Street Revival. As he walks into the building, upstairs is the place of prayer. Right? They, the upper room, that's where it goes down. So they're praying upstairs. And then what they would do is they would ring the bell when it was time to come down to the services. So on one occasion, the bell rang. He's making his way upstairs. A teenage girl is making her way downstairs. I think her name was Kathleen. And as she sees him, Spirit of God comes upon this girl. She starts to speak in tongues in this man's face. And, you know, bold move. And she starts to speak in tongues, and, and, and he's floored. She doesn't know what she said. He grabs her by the arm. He takes her downstairs to the front of the church, and this is what he said. He said, I am a Jew, and I've come to this city to investigate the speaking in tongues. No person in the city knows my first or my last name, as I am here under an assumed name. No one in the city knows my occupation or anything about me. I have come to hear preachers for the purpose of taking apart their sermons and using them in lectures against the Christian religion. This girl, as I entered the room, started speaking in the Hebrew language. She told me my first and my last name. She told me why I was in the city and what my occupation in life was. And then she called upon me to repent. She told me things about my life, which would be impossible for any person in the city to know. Then the man dropped to his knees and cried out in prayer as though his heart would break. How many of you guys know that was a game changer for him that day? And so does it happen? It can still happen today, but, but it, it's not normative. This, this next part that we're going to talk about is a little more, more normative, and that's at this, that the gift of tongues is used to build up and encourage the church. So we see the gift of tongues as a sign in Acts chapter 2, and now we're going to move into Paul's language of the actual spiritual, it's a spiritual gift of tongues that's used to encourage the body. Now, could the person with the spiritual gift of tongues still speak in, you know, a language that, you know, like Portuguese or Chinese? Sure, I'm not going to like box the Holy Spirit in at all, but it's not normative. 
This is a little bit more normative of how Paul speaks about the gift in, um, in 1 Corinthians. So in Acts, the Spirit of God was a sign that was given. But now it's a little bit different because now Paul's going to talk about the gift of tongues operating in the church. And this is a language that's not known to the speaker or to the hearer. Remember, Paul said earlier, man, if I have not love and speak in the languages of men and of angels, but I have not love, like it, it doesn't mean anything. And so Paul's speaking of a language or the, this reality of tongues that the speaker doesn't understand, nor does the hearer. And the only way that you can understand or that it's a, a real valid gift to the body of Christ is through another spiritual gift called the interpretation of tongues. And so we just see the diversity. I wish I could do like a series on this, but I don't have time. Um, maybe we'll do it later. We'll, we'll have some dialogue or some paneling and question and, and back and forth. But, but this is the beautiful reality between Paul's language and, and, uh, and uh, Luke's language on how they speak about this gift. It really magnifies the diversity of the gift of tongues. So let's head over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. It says, pursue love. Again, Paul's like, you guys want to go after the supernatural? Let's again start with love. Let's start with character. Paul's, Paul's always bringing us back to this place. Like before you want any supernatural thing, um, if, you don't, if you have poor character, you're going to be discredited. Because can I just tell you, people will see your brokenness before they see your giftedness, and they'll discredit it. And so people can just read between the lines. Are you, you guys tracking with me on that? And so, so Paul's like, just don't pay attention to the giftedness. Pay attention to your character. However, I want you to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Now, Paul was an intellect, probably one of, one of the most intelligent men that we read about in the scriptures. So I just want you to see those of you guys who are really intellectual. I want you to see that understanding and operating in spiritual gifts does not diminish you in any way. It does not like diminish your gray matter and your head's going to turn to mush if you walk in the gifts of the Spirit. Paul was an intellectual but operated in the gifts of the Spirit. So he says, especially that you would prophesy for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up or builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, Paul says, I want all of you to speak in tongues. Like, that's his desire. But even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets that tongue so that the church may be built up. And so Paul is saying now that it's the Spirit of God enables us to speak in this unknown tongue that's unknown to both the speaker and to the hearer, and the only way that it'll benefit the church is if there's interpretation. If not, that person who speaks in that tongue is building himself up and edifying himself, but Paul's like, dude, that's not, that's not for the public setting. Are you tracking with me on that? And so it goes on to say, the gift of, or let me give you a, a definition of the gift of interpretation. I like this definition. It says, the ability to spontaneously respond to the giving of an authoritative message in tongues by interpreting this word and clearly communicating the message given. And so again, if, if the speaker doesn't understand and the listeners don't understand, without interpretation, it's only when the gift of interpretation and the gift of tongues work together that it's edifying to the church and is equal to prophecy because it's going to build people up. 
Other than that, people don't know what you're talking about. They're like, what? Like, why are you doing this? Like, if you're in a small group or you're in a, in a, in a public worship setting like this, and somebody just starts speaking in tongues right now, and it just leaves us there. We're all feeling weird at that moment. Do you? We're like, because none of us understand. And so Paul's concern is not that tongues is bad. He's saying, no, tongues is great. But, but Paul's saying, my, 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 my angst is toward understanding. Like, I want it to be building up and encouraging to the church, not discouraging and confusing. Are you tracking with me? And everybody said amen. And so 1 Corinthians 14, 13, and 15 says, therefore... The one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. So it's impo- it's, it, it is possible that God will also give you the gift of interpretation. We saw in the last passage, Paul said, somebody needs to interpret. Could you have the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation? Sure. And so he says, if, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? He said, I'll pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my mind. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. And so again, let me just reiterate, the gift of tongues is a supernatural gift. The gift of interpretation is supernatural. It's not like, oh man, like I kind of know that, that tongues, like I bought a Honda, should have bought a Hyundai. You know what I mean? Like I, I kind of, man, I kind of understand that a little bit, right? No, no, that's, that's not what he's saying. Paul is saying, listen, you should pray that you interpret because once again, if it's going to be helpful in public, it's got to come with interpretation. Otherwise, you're going to alienate everybody. You're going to alienate Christians because they're going to be like, I don't understand and can't say amen with you. You're going to alienate seekers because they're going to be like, I knew Christians were weird. And then you're going to alienate the skeptic because they're like, yep, uh, just as I thought. They are definitely strange. And I am never coming back to this church, right? And so, so Paul's saying, what's more important to you? Your little personal moment where you're getting built up or the edification of the whole church? Like Paul was basically in a nice way saying it's not about you. And so, so what happens when we're speaking in tongues? Like what happens when we're actually speaking in tongues? Paul says, I'm praying, I'm praising, and then we see I'm giving thanks with our spirit. So, so we're, we're, we're communicating to the Lord. We're, we're praying, we're praising, and we're giving thanksgiving. Can I just tell you, I remember I was in a church. This is the church that I got saved in or where God radically changed my life. Many of you guys know the story. I was, uh, I was sitting in the back of the church and the, there was a guest speaker. I was in St. Louis, never been to the church. My mom had only been there a couple weeks. Nobody knew who we were. I'm sitting in the back and I look like a thug. I definitely stood out from the whole church. There were about 3,000 people. So the guest speaker calls me out from the back. I'm sitting in the back of the church, ladies and gentlemen. The last thing I want to do, I'm sitting in the back for a reason. It means I don't want to be in the front. Are you with me? And so, so the guy looks at me and he says, young man in the back. I'm like, no. Because I grew up in church, my mom bringing me to church, so I, I know how this goes. I got a word from God for you. And I'm like, no, you don't. Come down to the front. Oh, it's like the walk of shame, right? I'm just like, oh, my goodness. And I got like a gold chain with a gun on it. You know what I'm saying? I'm walking down. And, uh, and so I, I get to the front. I get to the front. And he says, young man, I have a word from God. Two weeks ago, that bullet was meant for you. God has spared your life. There's no more running from God. And then he goes back to preaching. Two weeks, two weeks before that, I was outside of a nightclub in Fremont. The whole place gets shot up. I carry the guy next to me, gets shot. I carry him to the ambulance. So at that time, I'm like, who are you? Are you the FBI? And I go back to my seat 
a little old lady in the back just has so much joy on her face. I said, lady, I don't know what you have, but that's what I want. She just said, baby, you ready to give your life to Jesus? And I was like, I, yeah, I got nothing to lose. Prayed with me and my life was never the same. Incredible. But I'm at, I'm, at the, I'm at the same church and I'm sitting in the service one time and a guy in the back's like, like the pastor's preaching and he just starts shouting in tongues. I'm like, oh, we in one of those churches. All right. Well, I know what happened to me was real, but it was so distracting. And I'm like, why doesn't the pastor correct this dude and tell him to sit down? Like some, Because it was just so, like all the attention went on him. Remember, the gifts of the Spirit are, are given to make the Spirit manifest, made manifest for the common good, not for ourselves. And it was just, the, and, and he would just... Go off like the whole. I don't even know what the guy preached on because the whole time he was like, oh, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, somebody tell this guy. Like, we can get we can get a little thug life up here. Like, I'll tell him. I don't even know how to do it, but I'll tell him to be quiet. <laughs> Nobody told him to be quiet. Can I promise you if that happens in this church, we'll tell him to be quiet. Um, in a very loving and respectful way. We're like, you know, we'll usher them to their quiet place. Um, but 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 the reality is this is the gift of tongues without without interpretation is person-centric. With interpretation, it's people-centric. So Paul is saying that that's what we're after. We wanted to encourage people, not scare them away. He says, so my brothers earnestly, Paul says, desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. So can, I, can you just look at this for a moment? The spirit of God is not weird. Tongues is not weird. This is what the spirit of God says. It should be done decently and in order. Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird, but the Holy Spirit's not. Paul was saying, Paul, all Paul was saying is we just got to get some order because you guys are whacked out in this church. You got poor character. You're abusing the gifts. It's just like, let's get some order back in this place. And, and really the heartbeat was, I'm just trying to say amen with you. Like I can't valid. I can't even like if you're speaking in tongues and there's no interpreter, I can't even say amen. God can't even be glorified. So, but this is a little bit scary because where do we practice this? We practice this on a Sunday morning? Oh no, where are we going with this, right? I think a great spot to practice is small groups. If we never give the opportunity, how do we know, if we never speak in tongues, how do we know if somebody has the gift of interpretation? But we gotta make sure that it's an environment where it's, it's not weird. And I think small groups are like a great spot. So we'll put protocol. If you're a small group leader, like, oh no, you're not doing like, no. Well, we'll definitely have protocol and order. And, and it's probably not going to be just simply normative. Paul seemed to much more push prophecy than, than, than speaking in tongues. Are you with me? So it's not like every time you show up to small group, it's going to go that route. But I'm saying we do have to create atmosphere environments for people to utilize their gifts that the body might be encouraged and, uh, and uplifted. Are you with me? So we'll set protocol. Small group leaders, we're going to make sure like you're solid, that it's not going to be weird. It's not going to be anything like that. But I think when you're in those settings, it's better to ask first, like, hey, I really sense like the Lord has put something on my heart or, you know, we'll set up a healthy, orderly, decent protocol for us to work through some of those things. Does that make sense? Because I don't want to be like, yeah, this is for today. And then we just don't do anything with it. Like that's not responsible. But we want it to be decent and in order. And so the last thing is this, is that the gift of tongues is used privately to build up the individual through prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. 
So some would delineate between there's a difference between your private prayer life of tongues and the gift of tongues. Some would say that the gift of tongues is for everybody today to pray privately. It's a common grace. Others would say, no, it's a gift of the Spirit and the Spirit of God gives as he sees fit. Let me give you a couple passages. So 1 Corinthians 12, 4, we're almost done. It says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them in all of us, right? So it's the same God who empowers them in all of us. Just kind of hold on to that thought. To each of them in the manifestation, here we go, of the Spirit for the common good. Not for us, for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit utterance of wisdom, another utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, another faith another this, uh, by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing, to the one spirit, to another works of miracles, to another prophecy, another the ability to distinguish between spirits. All right, so he continues. And he says, to another various kinds of tongues and to another interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by the one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will. So many people just say, hey, listen, the spirit of God is sovereign and just gives the gift of tongues as he wills, right? It continues, our Romans chapter 12 says this, now you, are the body, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, then helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gift of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Paul is rhetorically saying, no, you don't. Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. Speaking of ones that can build up the body. So what, what am I saying? Some would use these passages and just say, no, man, the gift of tongues simply is given by the Spirit to who he wills. Cool. I, I, like, I, I don't have a problem with that. I see how you come to that conclusion. I, I tend to lean on the side of, of there is a common grace that God gives us the availability for the gift of tongues in regards to our personal prayer life. The only reason why you, you look at uh, the one who prays privately builds himself up. So it's a little bit different. A gift of the Spirit normally builds up the body, but privately you're, you're building yourself up. And there's a lot of different passages that we would kind of accumulate to come to that conclusion. But either way, no matter where you fall on the totem pole, the reality is this, is that we are to earnestly desire the higher gifts. And what he's mean is not that one gift is greater than the other. What he's saying is just gifts that encourage the body of Christ. He's speaking to the church. And so, so how I would come to that conclusion is this, the gift of helps. I don't, I may not have the spiritual gift of helps, but I still help as a discipline. I, I may not have the spiritual gift of encouragement, but I still am called to encourage. So I might not have the spiritual gift of tongues in a public setting or the gift of interpretation, but, but is it possible to still have the discipline of praying in the spirit, uh, in a prayer language? So let, let me just give you a couple more passages and, and we're gonna just hit a couple quick things and, and I'm done. I had to pack all this in one, so I'm sorry. I didn't wanna like draw this out a few messages because we got, we're headed in a different direction. But you hear passages spoken like this, uh, Jude chapter one, verse 20, that would kind of affirm this, right? That Jude one, verse 20 says, build up your most holy faith by praying in the spirit. Some would say that's praying in tongues. Um, Reb, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter six, the end, Paul says, pray in the spirit on all occasions after he speaks about the armor of God. Some would say he means speaking in tongues. 
But there are many of you that don't speak in tongues. And so the, the feeling sometimes is like, oh, like, so does God not like me or am I not as valuable because I can't pray in the spirit? I think there's a, there's, a, there's a misconception here. Remember in Galatians, Paul said, I want you to walk in the spirit so you don't fulfill the desires of the flesh. What does that mean? He says to the Galatian church, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You who begun in the spirit are now trying to perfect in the flesh. What he's saying is, Walking in the Spirit is by faith in the Son of God, believing the gospel and all that Christ has promised us. So I would say that these passages in Ephesians and in Jude are simply this. They're not less than tongues, but they're more than tongues. Man, if you have the gift of tongues, yeah, pray in the Spirit. If you don't have the gift of tongues, you can still pray led, empowered by the Spirit just alike. Are you tracking with me? It's not like, man, the Spirit of God can't lead you now because you don't have the gift of tongues. And so I just think we get things discombobulated and distorted a little bit. So, so, so the reality is this. Paul says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Meaning if you got all your gifts at salvation, why would Paul say this? Paul is under this impression that no, you should eagerly desire them. You should seek after them. You should go after them. Well, Paul is saying there's always more. There's always more. And God wants to give you gifts. By his spirit sovereignly. Well, well, if the spirit of God gives gifts sovereignly, why would I even need to desire them? Because the way that many times God fulfills his purpose through us is by stirring a desire within us to will what he wills. So Paul says, earnestly seek the gifts of the spirit. So how, how do we, like, what do we do with this? Like, Pastor Mark, where do we go? Let me land here. I want to encourage you that tongues is one of those gifts. Earnestly pursue the gifts of the spirit. So what do we do? Number one, just ask the Lord. Like, God, it's the gift you want me to have. Like, I, I think it would be kind of cool. I'm kinda, I think it's a little bit strange. I'm not really sure about it yet, but ask the Lord. And don't be afraid. You won't lose control in a weird way. Like, the Spirit is always subject to the prophet. So God's goal is not to embarrass you, but to build you. Uh, be prepared for people that might say, oh, so this, like, you think you're more spiritual or more better than I am? Absolutely not. God warns us clearly that every body part in the body of Christ matters. And so my response to something like that would simply be, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not better than you um, because I speak in tongues or uh, any of that. No, 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 I'm just hoping that um, I'm going to become a better Christian than I was before because of the spirit of God at work in my life. Um, number four, you don't have to practice saying banana backwards. Like, anaba, anaba, anaba. like we're not going to do that to you here. Like, it's just not going to happen. Um, even though, even though, listen, some of you guys, that may have been how you, man, God met you in that space. Somebody's praying with you and they're speaking in tongues and the next thing you just start speaking in tongues. I'm not going to take away from that because there's, there's no prescribed method, right? We see in the book of Acts, man, the spirit of God came upon them, began to speak in other tongues. We see in Acts chapter 19, Paul laid his hands on them. They began to speak in other tongues. There's, there's no methodology. Uh, I missed one. So tongues is not anti-intellectualism. Your gray matter will not turn to mush. So just because you speak in tongues does not mean that your brain is going away. Um, there is no prescribed method or procedure in the Bible. Some will pray in English, then suddenly, all of a sudden, you'll be in the shower and you'll shundle a bow tie. You'll be like, what? And some of you, it's going to be a step of faith. Like, man, you're in worship or, or you're in a time of prayer and you just feel like, man, there's a, a cry on the inside of you and just open up your mouth and by faith believe that the Spirit will fill it. Um, some, uh, or don't let uh, feelings be your guide. Remember, God empowers all spiritual gifts, so the gift of helps may not always feel like totally amazing, and neither will tongues. 
Neither will tongues. So don't let feelings be your guide. Uh, don't mistake discernment for cynicism. This is a big one. This is a big one for me because I'm a skeptic by nature. Um, or not by nature, probably by brokenness. That's probably better said. Um, don't mistake discernment for cynicism that views all experiences with deep suspicion. So, so if you're like me, sometimes I, I'm so afraid of it being inauthentic. Sometimes I can dismiss things really, really quick. Because I'm like, I'm not trying to, I want it to be real. I want it to, it's like, all right, well, like, relax. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time in worship. Which is how do we earnestly desire? I would say earnestly pray. Be patient, persevere, press in, worship, fast. As we do three days of fasting and prayer here, man, just ask the Lord. God, I, I never really pursued the gifts. But it's just some gifts that you want to give me. So I would close with this to say you should never be ashamed or embarrassed by your desire for tongues. Neither should you give in to discouragement if your request for this is not immediately answered. You're not more spiritual if you speak in tongues, less spiritual. If you never have that desire, man, you're still fit. you could still be filled with the Spirit. My, my point today is this, is that it's just something that nobody wants to talk about. So I like to talk about what nobody likes to talk about. Uh, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for the gifts that you've given us. We thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. And I just ask, God, that as we seek your face, as a church community, Lord, you've gifted us in all different ways. I know that these messages over the last several weeks have been more teaching than preaching, but it's so necessary for us, God. We're not living in ordinary days. We're not living in times where it's business as usual. Lord, we want to be the body of Christ. And that, that Lord, when people see us as a church, they'll be like, man, I don't know what you have, but that's what I want because they see our love for one another. Lord, they see that it's real and it's authentic, that we're not about religiosity, we're about relationship with you and our lives have been transformed, not by mechanical change from the outside in, but from the inside out of, your, of you, Holy Spirit, working and moving in our hearts and lives. Thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at fountainchurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.